Hello. So, this is a new podcast. Um, I'm sort of winging it a little bit because this week I found myself um, isolated, stuck in my cottage, um, recovering from COVID-19. Um, you know, and it, it gets you to thinking so many things. I've been quite ill. Thankfully, I'm a lot better now. Um, but yeah, I'm stuck in the house and I'm not good at being bored. Um, so perhaps I should tell you a little bit about who I am, first of all. Uh, my name is Jules Raven-Stewart and um, I run a retreat. It's a small two-bedroomed cottage on the banks of the um, Tennant Canal in um, Neath Valley in South Wales. And it's a place where we offer completely free breaks for anyone with a life-limiting um, diagnosis, um, cancer, any other um, any other illness, you know, that has got life-limiting consequences. And it's an absolutely beautiful place. It's a beautiful little cottage. It's a beautiful little street. And the way that Raven's Retreat came about is... Um, because I'm a therapist and a healer, I work with energy healing. I have um, I also have a healing cabin that I work from. I also work for the NHS. But um, the thing that I heard most as I worked with patients, patients with life limiting illnesses, was that they needed somewhere that they could go and not be a patient, because. When you get a diagnosis of any type, you know, it, it's quite scary, isn't it? And suddenly people s start to sort of refer to your illness more than you. So I wanted to sort of create somewhere that was a retreat, but people could just go and be themselves and be who they are and just forget about the treatment and everything for a long weekend or perhaps a week and spend time with their family and, yeah, chill out. And also they can have um, free um, uh, uh, healing or therapies or counselling or whatever they need. Um, yeah, so we try and do all of that. And we've been self-funded now for three years and we're just in the process of getting um, a charity status. But as with everything else um, involving lockdown and COVID, it's taken a, a little bit longer than, than we would like. But there you are, we're getting there. So, yeah, so that's a little bit. Um, as I say, the cottage is on the banks of the Tennant Canal and uh, 2020 has brought us so many things, a few lockdowns. Um, the cottages have been flooded twice, first of all in 2018 with Callum and then again um, in February this year. And we had three foot of sewages in 20-odd cottages. And, um, well, you know, I wish we could do sort of... I know you can hear me. I wish I could sort of do the magic over the airwaves of the sort of scratch and sniff. The smell was awfully horrendous and we had a terrible, terrible time. But I'm a huge believer in out of everything negative, something positive comes. And the, the positive that came out of all of that was our little community pulled together and we all helped each other out. Because, as you know, in March we had the first lockdown. Well, in February we just had a flood. So, 
we were in the midst of a street of sewage water and um you know everyone had lost everything on the ground floors it was just horrendous you've probably seen it on the news in wales or well if you're in the rest of the uk you've probably seen it it was so bad and then suddenly the government locked us down so we were all stuck in the street and yeah we've managed and we've got there and it's just brought us all closer together we're a street of poets and dreamers and old hippies and it's just a magical magical place if you've got any elderly relatives and you've ever heard them talking about um you know in the olden days when you didn't have to lock your doors and um neighbors were communities and if someone was ill they were looked after well i always think they're talking about our street it's fab um I'm originally from the north of England, as you can probably tell with my accents, and from a small pit town called St Helens. And it's not unlike um, the Welsh Valleys where I live now, because St Helens too was a pit town, and the people in St Helens are just salt of the earth. So, although I moved to Wales, I moved to a part of the valleys where, yeah, people are very much the same, and I love it. I love St Helens. And I love um, Abadillais and the Neath Valley, where I live now. And so, yeah, as I say, I work as a healer. But from being a, a kid, I've always wrote uh, poetry and short stories. And I wrote about the things that I cared about, um, people that influenced my life, um, things that I loved. I wrote about things that I was upset about, um things that I couldn't do anything about sort of writing was always very very cathartic for me and if I couldn't speak it sometimes I'd write it down and it always helped so then growing up becoming a therapist and um, being in the job that I'm in I always always advise people to sort of journal and to write because I really really believe writing things down helps might not help straight away but often I think if you keep a journal and then you can look back if you know you get yourself into a similar situation or something else is equally as upsetting how did I cope with it then and as I say I work with the NHS I work in mental health and I, I do encourage a lot of the patients that I work with um, to journal and to write so yes so back to the beginning and as I say I'm stuck in the house this week still in isolation and I got to thinking about all of the writing that I do and I do write um, a blog on WordPress and it's called uh, Musings of a Mountain Wandering Weaver of Magic that's a bit of a mouthful isn't it I didn't think of it like that but yeah and I also um, have a hypnotherapy column and that's on you can find that on the amazing Emma Heaven uh, magazine and my column is called Jules Raven Stewart and on there you'll find lots of visualizations and hypnotherapy past life regression oh we do lots of exciting stuff and the whole magazine is just brilliant and it's written by a fabulous wonderful friend of mine Emma Heaven and yeah so go over and have a look at that so I thought I've got all this writing that I've done from being a kid and it's gathering dust and this morning I was literally cleaning out um, one of my bookcases 
and I picked up um, a poem that I'd written about one of the most influential women in my life and that was my nan Lizzie and she was sort of four foot probably four foot five four foot six of northern dynamite um, and she was amazing an absolutely amazing beautiful lady when I was a child and um, yeah and I just thought you know it's a shame isn't it that I've got all of this here and nobody's gonna hear it, it has, I'm, I'm saying that it has actually been published this poem into a small anthology a local anthology but yeah so I thought right I'm gonna start a podcast and there are lots of people out there that like poetry um I used to perform with Poets on the Hill who who are a Swansea based um performance poetry group so I thought I don't get a chance to do that now perhaps if I do a, a podcast and put all my poetry on a po podcast you know there may be people out there that will enjoy it and it may encourage other people to pick up a pen or to get online and to write a uh, blog themselves or just write a journal so yeah so thank you for listening and i hope you enjoy um yeah and i'll tell you a little bit about the people i write about or the situations of why i've written certain things because um, yeah, there are lots and lots of different types of different poetry. But the first one is called Lizzie and Old Weathered Hands. And it goes something like this. I think it's human nature when we lose someone we love. Our greatest fear is forgetting the simple things about them. The sound of their voice their smell, precious memories. However, in reality, I've discovered, as I've grown older, I've remembered more, not less. Lizzie, my nan. I remember her long, thin, silver hair. Gold, heavy Creole earrings weighing down her tiny earlobes. Her faded blue apron, my little nanny. Little, but loud. Northern salt of the earth, she always said exactly as it was. Most of all, though, I remember her smile. I remember how she would pretend to be annoyed when I'd shout, Nanny! the top of my voice through the letterbox at all hours of the day and night. Her house in Frodsham Drive was my sanctuary. The smell of furniture polish, bacon ribs, hot pot. I'd watch her as I held up the flap of the letterbox as she hurried down the hall exclaiming, Jesus and Mary, bloody Joseph, I hear you calling my bloody sleep. I'm changing my bloody name to Rumpelstiltskin. I remember her baking cheese and onion pies on a tin plate. An egg custard tarts on a Sunday. She would send me to the outdoor at the Flying Horse pub with an empty jug to have filled with stout. Carrying an old tea towel to cover the jug. I'd try to walk back without spilling it. 
sneaking a mouthful as I walked. Our trips around to the shops. She would carefully apply her tangerine lipstick and Taya checked her scarf. We would call into the bookies for her each way bet. Then the butchers for bacon ribs and the paper shop for 20 Blom John Players special. Bingo was on a Friday night down in the church hall in Park Street in Fingerpost. Me and my cousins Gary and Philip on one side of the table and Nan and her friend Lizzie Ducker on the other. She would give me a card to mark. Nudge me if you're sweating, she would say. I'd be bloody terrified. Smoky church hall. Jesus on his cross watching the bingo. Women's eyes fixed on bingo tickets. Biros moving quickly, scribbling out the numbers. House! Someone would shout and there would be a sigh from everyone else. Walking home we would call in the chippy. Bag of salty chips in yesterday's newspaper between us. Then home, tired and ready for bed. My cousin's in the back bedroom and I would be snuggled up warm in Nanny's bed beside her. The thing I remember most is the weight of the old blankets. And the coats. The silk lining to keep us warm. I still have a piece of that old overcoat lining. Silhouette of the lead windows on the wall beside the bed, reflected from the old street light on the peeling blue flowered wallpaper. Sometimes I'd go to bed before Nanny, and lying there, listening in the dark, while she stayed up late to sew on her old Jones treadle sewing machine. The sound of that tread treadle was magical. She worked to make me dresses. It often lulled me to sleep. The simple things. Her old biscuit box. Full of photos. The other biscuit box. Full of buttons. Both full of stories. Stories of her family. Her friends. The man across the street who had got stuck in a tin bath. A big faded button from a coat she had worn that my grandmother had bought, grandfather had bought for her. She held it in her hand like a diamond, eyes closed, a smile on her face. That button transported her back to him. Photos of a child she had raised and loved as her own, as well as her own three sons. Photos of my grandfather who I knew from her storytelling, not from memory, as he died when I was too young to remember. She taught me many things, my nan. Pastry making, sewing, names of plants, herbs. And when I got nettled, there would be a dock leaf near that nettle to fix the sting, to stargaze to fortune tell, and to always bide time, and to never act on temper. How to win at cards, although I never managed that with her once. I remember combing her hair and sitting running my fingers along the back of her brown, weathered hands. 
tracing the blue veins of her old working hands, grafter's hands. As I sit here now, holding my granddaughter's hand, looking at my own hand in hers. My hand is brown and weathered, blue veins meander, and they tell my story. Beautiful granddaughters, Tamika Tiger, Amelia Willow, Eva Rose, Hattie. I wonder what your memories of me, your nanny, will be. I hope you will remember my old weathered hands. And I hope you remember how much you made me smile.